0: Hello, Westwood Church family. It's good to see you today. My name is Ben, Pastor Ben Griffin, and honored to be on the teaching team, honored to get to spend some time with you all today. And we're continuing this series on longing for better days. And before we get into it, let's pray. Lord, I pray that what we talk about today, specifically the topic of anxiety, specifically the worry, the concerns, the, the things things that all of us carry to different degrees, I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't be the weight of my words, but it would be the truth of who you are that speaks today. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would saturate this time, our hearts and our minds, and that, Lord, you would be glorified in this and through us. In your name, amen. Well, today we're talking about a topic called calm my anxious mind. And I know you're probably thinking, well, that's not a message for me. But let's be honest. Anxiety is something that all of us experience to different degrees. And there are degrees of anxiety. So as we come into this today, uh, some of us are going to hear uh, a couple of words from the word of God and some practices and, and we're in this together and we're, we're gonna lean on Jesus and it's gonna, it's gonna help us in those moments. For others of us, anxiety is a much deeper thing or for people in our lives who we love deeply that are struggling with it. And, and I wanna say this, like one message is not the answer. Jesus is the answer and it may be that, that some of us need Time and energy, maybe even professional people walking with us. And, and if you haven't heard this before or heard this from a church before, hear this. We're with you. As a family of Jesus, we walk together. Uh, Galatians 6 says, Carry each other's burdens and in so obey the law of Christ. And that's the gospel. Jesus carries our burdens and we carry them for each other. So here, you're not alone. We're in this together. And would you just look at the person next to you and tell them, You're not alone. and tell them, Jesus is with you. Yeah, good job, good job. He is, and you're not alone. So uh, Pastor Joel has a great definition for anxiety, and um, I have, uh, before I dive into that, actually, I wanna talk about uh, how anxiety, what, what, what I am gonna do and what I'm not gonna do today. First this. Uh, I am not giving you the magic pill that gets rid of all anxiety. So if your expectation is that, that's not going to happen today. All right. Second thing is what I am going to do is give you some practical truth because this is our mental health book. This is where our hope and help is secure and rooted. And we want to anchor in the word and truth of God. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to pull out of that and we're going to talk about some practices that root us there. That's That's the heart of where we're going and what we're about. And I want you to understand this too. If you experience anxiety, that is part of the human condition. And if you think that to be a follower of Jesus means that you don't suffer or experience that, then then read your Bible because it's everywhere in the word of God. In fact, here are just a few examples. Uh, First off, we've got Gideon. And hold on, can you turn off the mic for just a second so I can just... Clear. All right, we're back. Thank you. <laughs> On behalf of all of us, thank you. <laughs> so Gideon is hiding in a word in a wine press, not a word press, in wine press. Judges chapter six. I, I just this is I'm, we're not preaching this whole passage today, but this is one of my favorite passages of the Bible, favorite historical accounts. Gideon is that the nation is under attack. Gideon is hiding in a wine press, threshing because he's afraid of his enemies. And an angel of God comes to him and says, Hello, mighty warrior. Talk about a disproportionate word. I mean, this is like, let's just say hypothetically, your football team is two and four. <laughs> and an angel of the Lord showed up to your quarterback and said, Hello, Super Bowl champion. Be like, this is this this is not line up, right? This is not what we're feeling. He was hiding. Uh, the next one here. Elijah fleeing from Jezebel and lamenting his life. This is this is Elijah who called down fire from heaven, who is now fleeing from Jezebel and just going, man, is it even worth living? Wow. Okay. Next, we have the disciples scared in a storm with jesus right there they're overwhelmed with fear and then hagar hagar in the wilderness with their baby ishmael and just just sitting down and giving up like i don't even know what to do she says and then this one which might surprise you jesus praying in anguish to the point of sweating blood in luke chapter 22 i don't know if you ever thought about this but Jesus experienced an anxiety in an intense way. Like, I don't know what you're carrying in life, but I'm guessing it's not the hope of humanity for for the rest of eternity, right? Jesus is looking at the cross, knowing what he's gonna suffer, and for the hope set before him, the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, but it started that night in a garden, crying out to God the Father, if there is another way, in anguish to the point that he was sweating blood. So hear this: if you have anxiety, you're human. You're not alone, and there is a place to go with it, and that's what we want to talk about here. So now back to what I started in earlier a little bit. Pastor Joel has a great definition for anxiety, and I want to create a. I have created. We created a graph to show that. Gra- anxiety is when you have a place. Of increased concern, but diminished control. So anxiety sits here. Increased concern, diminished control. So think about these situations in our life that cause anxiety. There's, there's outside situations. There's a war in Israel. There's a war in the Ukraine. Like high concern, there's not much I can do about that, right? Uh, there's, there's situations, uh, natural disasters. All those things affect us, uh, the economy. But the ones that affect us the most are the ones that tend to be closest to us. The relationship ones I mean anybody have it where you hear third hand somebody talking and saying things about you that aren't true I mean man it just runs right up here or or I, I just think too as parents as our kids get older the level of concern we have for them might increase but the level of control we have decreases do you agree with that yeah, this is a place uh, where we feel a lot. And when we feel anxiety, it, it just, I mean, just think about it. It's, it's like, it can be described as worry, fear, a general lack of contentment. At sometimes we're worried about the past what we did or didn't do or should have done. Does anybody do that? Like like just kind of keep rolling that tape in your head or we're worried about the future. Well, what could be? And if I do this, what's gonna happen? And, and, and we just start to like wor- worry, anxiety. It just, it grows and it, it's as if we're carrying a load everywhere we go with us. And sometimes it just keeps becoming more and more. And people who suffer on, on a clinical level from deep anxiety, they really, that's one of the ways it's described is that they're just, carry everything so heavy and then when any new thing comes it's just it's so much I don't have room to carry more what do we do with that so uh, I, I got an image that goes with this um, maybe uh, maybe you've heard of this before but if you think about about the carrying of our worries uh, there's this uh, sheep by the name Shrek the sheep I don't know if you've heard of him before Shrek was so afraid of being sheared that he avoided it for six years. So here's what Shrek looked like after six years. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? 60 extra pounds of fleece. Underneath there is a skinny little sheep. He couldn't even see. So these daily choices, or daily, yearly choices of avoiding the shearer led to this overwhelming burden. And I wonder how many of us kind of walk around carrying it a little bit like Shrek the sheep. I I wonder how many of us carry it and don't even realize we're carrying it because it's happened so subtly it feels normal. I I know that has happened to me. I I used to be the most carefree kid. And and not everybody had a childhood like that, but I remember being the most carefree kid. And then sometimes I look back and like, where did that kid go? Like, uh, over time, sometimes we think the more we have, the more peaceful we have. But actually, I think the more we have, the more we have to worry about. And over time, you know, I took on responsibilities in relationships, became a husband, became a father, uh, and and now soon to be a father-in-law. Isn't that crazy? My son got engaged. Like, here's another person to worry about. (laughs) Worry for. Worry for. Thank you. And then... We just kind of collect more and more. And then in, in life, like I, hey, I, I used to be one who just served other people in an organization and now, now I serve people, but, but I feel responsible for people. And well, what about their jobs? And the more people I'm responsible for, the more weight I carry. And, and I had an experience, like I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when I was a church planter a number of years ago, and there was a point where if you were to ask me how I was doing, I would answer by telling you how the church is doing. And somebody pointed out to me, that might be a problem. I was carrying so much. I was literally carrying an organization as part of my identity. And I I didn't even realize it until I took a sabbatical. I stepped away for about three months, beautiful time. And about a month in, I just felt a freedom. And I realized it was like there was a weight on my shoulders I had been so used to that I didn't realize it was there till it was gone. And I said to myself, I will never go back to experiencing that again. Have you ever told yourself that kind of stuff before? Yeah. And then life happens. And I can tell you all these different threads of life where thing after thing just keeps adding, adding on and on and on and and growing my fleece of many troubles uh, as as time went on. and worries just seem to compound. I mean, there's so many things for us to worry about, so many people for us to worry about, so many things for us to carry, whether it be a war, whether it be the economy, whether it be our children, whether it be our spouse. I mean, the Bible even says, uh, Jesus says in a parable in Matthew 13, that it's worries that choke salvation out for some people. So as I'm talking, some of you might even be like, I'm worried about being worried. Like anxiety upon anxiety upon anxiety. So what do we do with that? And the answer sometimes that we give each other is like, well, when you're feeling that way, just stop feeling that way. How does that work for you? Go ahead, tell the person next to you, just stop. (laughs) I'll tell you what they want to say back to you. You stop telling me to just stop. (laughs) Because just stop, how, what? Even if I want to, it is like, how, this is like a train that's running. What, what do we do with it? So I want to talk about that. We're going to start by breaking down a myth. And here's the first myth we're going to break down. Uh, it says this, if I can just fill in the blank, then I'll be content. I mean, how many of us just go, man, if I could just earn this much, if I could just get this pr- position, if I could just have this relationship, if I could just then I'll be content. I got to tell you money is a magnifier. By the way, if you're if you're just hunting for when I have enough then I'm going to be okay, tell you money's a magnifier. If things aren't good now, all money will do will magnify the issues. It's true. It's it's uh it's a magnifier. Second thing is in relationships, but it, it, sometimes, you know, especially when you run into young or single people, that, that there's this idea that if I could just find my soulmate, then everything will be content and okay. If I could just get married, then everything will be great. I mean, have you talked to married people? <laughs> right? They did a study on married people, on the happiest married people. And I believe I'm a happy married person. Happily married person and happy married person. They did a study and they said, what is the biggest indicator that a couple will be happily married? And their answer was, they were happy before they got married. So if you or you know someone who is like, boy, it's not great now, but I just know when we get married, that's gonna solve everything. Please be careful and know this. Do not put that pressure on another person to be your contentment. That's not their job. That's not their job. So beware of, if I can just, then I'll be content. And and if I were to draw this back on the graph, a number of us kind of look at it this way. So uh, if this is the place of anxiety, we go, well, then what I need to do is increase my level of control because if I have more control, then I'll experience less anxiety. So we, we in our lives, try to take on more, the more we can control, the more underneath our pur- purview of lordship or ownership or control, the better we will feel. And on a small scale, this works, right? If you're taking an exam for something, and you've prepared really well for it, you're gonna feel a low level of concern and a high level of control, and you're gonna feel good about that. If you're financially secure, then, then there, you're gonna feel a high level of control and a low level, level of concern over affording something uh, that's expensive. But, but here's where this starts to get a little, a little hard, because at what point can you, do you, can you not control everything? Right, so I tried to get away without a prop in this message, but I just couldn't. So just imagine, like in life, you know, you've got, you've got uh, your work and work's going pretty well. You're balancing that. Yep, got that ball. And then, and then you go, well, well, I added in, I, I got, I've got a really significant relationship or marriage relationship in my life. So I've got my family and, and work and, hey, I, this, is, this is working pretty well. And then, you know, along comes, you know, kids and, okay, well, I've got, I've got work and kids and and my, yep, family, and hey, we, here we go, yes. I'm just gonna do this for the rest of the message. And, and then as we go, as, as you go, you go, well, and then, and then, you know, health, I'm doing pretty good in health. I, I work out regularly, so I could do that. Oh, oh. At some point, even the most high-capacity people are going to drop the ball, right? And if our answer to peace in the midst of the storm, if our answer to anxiety is I will do more, I guarantee you, you're going to drop the ball at some point. And what a fallacy it is to think that we're in that much control. We're simply not. So what I would put on that dot is not the word confidence but the word hubris. And hubris is a word that means self-righteous or confident arrogance. It's, it's putting ourselves in the place of God. If I can control enough, I'll be peace, I'll be at peace. You will never be able to control enough. Everything will be going great, and then that health diagnosis comes. Or frankly, how much is out of our control that we don't even think about? Like in Job, the book of Job, chapter 39: 38, Job is talking to, or God is talking to Job and literally says to him, "Like, "Did you put the sun in the sky?" Like, did you create the laws of the universe? Like, even the breath in your lungs, you cannot take credit for. If, you're try, if you think you got it under control, at least just start thinking more broadly and realize just how much is out of your control. Listen, we have one little blip in the economy and we're out of toilet paper overnight. <laughs> like, we don't even know how to control to- toilet paper supply chain, right? Like are, we do not, we are so so on a razor's edge. We don't even realize, and if we try and control for peace, you will not know peace. So, how do we? What, where where do we go with that? What 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 do we do? And and I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it out this way and, and say this uh, um, from excuse me Hebrews chapter six says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Here's the good news. You can know peace and contentment today no matter what is happening in your world or how crazy it might be. Can I say that again? You can know peace and contentment today no matter what. The the, the image of of an anchor for our soul is so powerful because what does an anchor do? It roots down to something that's unmovable no matter what is happening up on the surface of the water. So. The world can be in storm and trouble, but rooted, being rooted changes everything. This is the road to peace. See, here's myth number two, and we'll dive into this one. Myth number two is God won't give you more than you can handle. That's ridiculous. I'm serious. I mean, we can't even handle a bag of potato chips, people right? Like, try and eat just one, right? We, what? But here's the truth. God will not give you more than he can handle. Our hope is not in us. It's in him. So here's the place of peace. Let's bring up the graph with the whole piece on it. The place of peace is here. It's low control and low concern. And you might be thinking, well, low concern, that feels like I don't care. What do you mean to have low concern? Well, low concern means that you have trusted God with it. It's not a place where you don't care. It's the place where you don't carry, which is letting go and letting God. Place of letting go and letting God. And I think about, Uh, the way Pastor Clint said this and I'll say this because not everybody uh, who's, uh, who's watching this or hearing this may have heard what he said ahead of time but he talked about the Quakers prayer and that for hundreds of years the Quakers prayed by first having hands down releasing and breaking of the things that we hold on to before then hands up receiving so it's letting go releasing and then letting God receiving hearing from him now, again, what, like, how do we do this? Uh, my, my baby girl, uh, a number of years ago, was uh, coming into high school, I'll put this away. And, you know, sometimes those life transitions can be challenging. And for my baby girl, it was, there were some hard things happening that year. And, and as I said earlier, when kids get older, our level of concern goes up, but our level of control goes down. So I was like, I don't, what do I do? How do I help my baby girl? I felt helpless, concern high, control low. And so I just, Lord, I'm just surrendering to you to her. And I, and at that season, I just literally didn't know what else to do. So I, I started every Sunday, I got a rose and I would put the rose by her door so when she woke up, that rose would be there. I just wanted her to know she's not alone. And, I, and every time I did that, I just prayed, Lord, watch over my baby girl. Lord, be with my baby girl. And that, that became a thing as long as, until my baby went off to college, every Sunday we put a rose by her door, and frankly, I still want to do that. But um, college, dad, Sunday morning—that's really—it's that's not a good idea. <laughs> but I didn't know what else to do, but but to trust God, and I, I just want—I don't need to get all the details, but God was faithful in that, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for Him. And have, have you experienced people who live in this place? Like they, it seems like no matter what the storms of life are happening around them or no matter what the situation, they have peace. I mean, this is where First Peter says, um, ha, have, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Nobody asks you about your hope when everything's going great, right? Like nobody comes after the Vikings win the Super Bowl. Someday, Nobody's gonna walk up to them and say, why are you so hopeful? Right? They aren't. But when they haven't won one ever and somebody at the beginning of the season says, why, do you, why are you hopeful? Hey, they, they're saying we have a reason. This is what we think. We as followers of Jesus, Jesus have a reason for hope and it is him. It's the empty grave. It is who our God is. And have you met people who live like this? Uh, one of them uh, is a friend of mine, Chris Bellinger, Pastor Chris Bellinger. He's a partner uh, with, uh, with Westwood. In fact, uh, helping start churches and build a movement in the Twin Cities, a gospel movement. Uh, Chris is a pretty incredible guy and I was hanging out with him a couple weeks ago and I noticed as I was hanging out with him, I'm like, there's something up with your car. Like, what's going on here? So t- check out this picture. See if you can see what's wrong with his car. Yeah, I was like, what, what's happening? Do you know what that is? That's a bullet hole. In fact, that's one of about five bullet holes in his car. He didn't even mention it, but I'm like, Chris, what is this? So Chris, every day is going into some of the hardest areas of Minneapolis. He's feeding people, he's caring for them, he's bringing the gospel. And he left his car for five minutes and his car got completely shot up. But here's the thing, there's Chris. As I talked about it, sorry, the picture's not up there anymore, but he's smiling and giving me the peace sign. He was out there the next day doing the same thing again. Caring for people with bullet holes in his car. Literally, he went to the shop to get some other work done and they gave him the casing from the bullet. We thought maybe you'd want this. We found this in the something or other. Wow. But even more so, we talked to his wife. So my wife and I were having dinner with, uh, with him, Chris and Renita. And we were like, Renita, how, does this, how are you with this? Like your husband came home and the car is filled with bullets. And she said, actually, he called me that day and told me what was up. And, and I just, like, there wasn't an ounce of fear in her response. She just said, she said, I just prayed all the more. I, she's like, I just need to be praying more for him. And, uh, and, and that's what they did. They just prayed more. What she shared was essentially what Proverbs 3 says, which is trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So this week when you hit anxiety, something's coming up, I'm guessing it's not because your car has been riddled with bullets. But if it is, trust God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and he will make your path straight. So now I wanna pull out a few Bible passages and I wanna talk practically about what this looks like. So uh, I'd like to talk about the seek first passage from Matthew. And it says this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6, verse 33. Like where do we start? With worry, all these things. We always wanna look internal, but actually the first thing we should do is seek him. Pause and seek him. And I'm gonna teach you the most simple way to seek God. It's a thing called a breath prayer. A breath prayer is a prayer so natural that it comes to us like breathing and can be said on a breath. The most simple breath prayer is just calling on the name of God. And we even sung this earlier. It's Yahweh. Breathe in, Yah. Breathe out, way. <sighs> Yahweh, the name of God. And so I'm gonna ask you to practice just pausing for a second with me and breathing. Just breathe. So breathe, pretend we're at the doctor. Okay? Breathe in. Wait. Breathe out. Right, don't fall asleep on me yet. Okay, one more time. Breathe in. Breathe out. Have any of you all, uh, uh, ever experienced this? Because I know ha- I have. Where I am emotionally responding to something on everybody I love, everybody around me, but I don't even know what's actually at the root of that emotion. Has this ever happened to you? Where, has this ever happened to somebody sitting next to you? where it's like, I, I don't know, why why are you grumpy? Why are you upset? Why, why are you so touchy? And then if you just take a breath and go, wait, okay, what is it? Sometimes I have emotions and then I go, why where is that emotion coming from? Get to the root of it. Oh, I'm actually worried about this thing that's coming up. Oh, this person said this. Oh, this work thing happened. Oh, my kid, I'm just worried about this with them. Get to the root of it. Then when you have that, Release it and receive. Seek first his kingdom. So uh, let's, let's bounce to the, the next passage, which is where we fix our minds. Isaiah says this. Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I just, perfect peace there is the word shalom, shalom in Hebrew. It, and when Hebrew uh, says a word twice, it's multiplying it for impact. It's saying a perfect peace. I want perfect peace, do you? Fix your mind on God. Fix our thoughts on him. That's where our perfect peace comes from, trusting in him. All right, bring, bring back up the graph one more time. The, the completed one. And by the way, I just, I just want, I need to pause and say this. This is a little bit outside of the message, but uh, the technical crew here is really amazing. This is the third time I've preached this message today, and I have done the slides in the same order zero times. <laughs> zero and it's smooth and happening. But also, because I, 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 we were joking about this between service because if you're working the slides right now, you have very little control over what I'm saying <laughs> and very high concern <laughs> over whether it's gonna show up right. It's pretty amazing. We don't often give them credit, but I do wanna say this. Sometimes in the church world, uh, we can be so produced that we produce out our ability to have mistakes or issues, that we act like we're so concerned, we act like we can control it all and there we're in the place of peace. And I don't know about you, but some of the best times of worship for me have been in the midst of the biggest mess. Man, that sound system completely failed, but God showed up, right? That guy could not preach the same slides in the same order one time today. (laughs) But I pray the Holy Spirit works through that. Letting go and letting God. Let's not overproduce our worship or our lives and miss letting go and letting God. And here's the beauty. I just love that God did this. He gave us in Philippians 4 a literal playbook to follow when we feel anxiety. A literal way to release and receive. And and it comes in Philippians 4 and it goes like this. One, don't worry about anything. So pause, breathe. What's at the heart of what my worry is? What's the heart of my anxiety? Okay, I've got it. Then two, pray about everything. So now I'm gonna pray about that. And Lord, Lord I'm gonna release it to you, let go. And then three, tell God what you need. I'm gonna switch to a place of receiving Lord, here's what I need, and, and this is not want. Here's what I want. Those Vikings could win that Super Bowl. No, what I want is something deeper. And I, what I need, sorry, is something deeper. I need you. And then four, remember what he has done. Remember him, his faithfulness of the past. Remember that cross, an empty grave. And then if you read through Philippians 4, you know what follows immediately after this in the passage? It says this, and then you will experience peace that is beyond your understanding. That's the road, that's the map. This is New Living Translation, by the way, it says it, that's why I chose it because it lays it out literally like this in that translation. And so about a year ago, I had stepped into the leadership of an organization that I thought was in a pretty good, was in pretty good shape. And about a month into it, uh, I finally got all the books opened and realized, oh my goodness, this, this organization, which, which I'm still still leading, uh, but is in a much better place today. But then we had a $70,000 a month negative cash flow run rate. So it looked on the books at first, like, hey, we're really good. And then you look at the run rate and I just do the math, like, oh my goodness. Like th- I can literally tell you where this is going to go in the next certain amount of time. And we've got, a mission that we want to see happen. We've got people that we have employed. We have we have work that we don't want to drop. And I I hit what was probably the most anxious time of my life where I was just, I was waking up three in the morning, two in the morning. I couldn't get back to sleep. My mind was just running. I was thinking about what do we do? How do we solve this? Where there's even other people in the organization that I would wake up at three in the morning and just go online, and they were online because they were doing the same thing. They were worried. They were carrying it, overwhelmed. And I just, I hit one point and it got to irrational overwhelmingness. Where one night, I was just, it, as close to a panic attack as I have experienced. And then I remembered Philippians 4, Philippians 4. So wait, don't worry about anything. Stop, breathe. Lord, I call on your name. Lord, what is the root of this? What is the wor- root of my anxiety? Two, Pray about everything. Lord, Lord, I trust you. And I trust you in this. Three, tell God what you need. Okay, Lord, here's what I need. I just need you. I don't even know the answer. I just, would you show us a road? Would you, would you, would you help drive us forward? And then four, remember what he has done. And I remembered, oh yeah, when I've led in the past, I've seen God do amazing things. Oh, I remember that, Life does not revolve around one organization or where, whether it survives or not. Oh, I remembered that, God, you are holy and good and that you're the one where my peace comes from. And you know what happened that night to me? I slept like I hadn't slept in a really long time. And I woke up, I even had a vivid, like from God dream that night. I experienced peace that went beyond circumstance and understanding. And so here's where I want to draw us together in the close of this message, is not my words, not not my direction, but I want I want to encourage you to do some business with God yourself. And so, can we just walk through this? And can I just oh no, nope, the one through four. Come on, production team. I'm just kidding. The one through four. Seriously, they are amazing back there. It's me. Who's not going in order. Can we just walk through this for and have, and just encourage you to pray through this? So, so let me lead you through first. Okay, we're at the doctors again. Deep breath, call on the name of God, Yahweh. And what is it that's at the heart of any worry or concern or fear or discontentment you have right now? Can you identify even just the category of what that is? Now, would you pray about that? Lord, I I with hands down I release this to you. Now, 3, would you tell him what you need? And maybe it's as simple as Lord, I just need you. I need help. And then fourth, remember what he's done. Remember the faithfulness you've seen firsthand of God in the past. Remember faithfulness you've seen firsthand of him answering prayer, showing up when it seemed hopeless, anchoring you when the storms of life was at, were going crazy. And now I just, I pray that you would know the peace, truly the peace that comes only from knowing our God and the fullness of who He is, cast your burdens on the Lord. His yoke is easy, His burden is light. We can trust Him. And so, with open hands, we release and we receive. And let's close in prayer. Lord, Thank you for doing business with us today. Lord, thank you for that empty grave. Thank you for your provident, sovereign, holy name. Thank you, Lord, for being faithful and righteous even when we're not. And Lord, forgive us for trying to control. Forgive us for our hubris. Forgive us for our trying to take your place in our lives and in other people's lives. Lord, today we release, we surrender, and we receive. We let go and we let you. Jesus, in your name and for your glory alone. Amen.